Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Today, we're diving deep into operations. This is a cornerstone of being successful in the self-storage world. It's a cornerstone of finding value. And it is, although lots of times we talk about business operations, this will lend more towards the real estate side itself. And it is something you deeply need to understand when owning and before you buy, and that is the maintenance, the physical look of the asset and how to manage that, not let CapEx, capital expenditures, like redoing things, run away and eat up all the money in your investment. So it's a huge, huge portion, obviously, of the business. And it's one of the the portions that I think people can either not understand, be overwhelmed, or it can hurt them. So as always, I got Connor here with me today, my trusted co-host. How you doing, man? Doing great. This is your jam, man. My jam right here. Exactly. what I I live for. (laughs) (laughs) Maintenance, coordinating with contractors, all that good, fun stuff. No, it's awesome, man. I, I really enjoy it. I enjoy, I mean, we've got a really incredible team of people that you've built here, man. It's it's great. Love every second of it. But, dude, maintenance is one of those huge things, especially in storage that a lot of people overlook and think that, oh, there's literally, you don't have to do anything. Yeah, it's there's just, no toilets. Yeah, no toilets. Exactly, dude. So I'm glad we're talking about maintenance. It is a huge deal. You would be amazed how many people run into doors and how many doors come off of tracks and everything else in you know a single week at some of our facilities and elsewhere. So, I mean, you're talking, you, you can have anything from tech issues to mechanical issues to, I mean, with your gates or with your facilities, everything. Cement. So, there, yeah. There's lots of things that are going on. And two, although there may not be like as multifamily as many number of things, you got to remember in storage, these things, when they go wrong, they're the highest cost ticket that you're going to have. So when you get them wrong and when things happen, it can make you or break you. And so if you don't have a system set up into place to take care of issues when they come up to do things like you work a lot with when you're um, evaluating vendors that we use, you know, this is a major portion. Um, And Connor, we have in charge of finding, doing market research, getting us the best options, seeing what needs to be done, coordinating with uh, in both the ongoing maintenance, but also the development side. And uh, these are the big ticket items. These are the ones you have to, you have to not only watch closely, but you have to anticipate and run your numbers because because you mess up on it and everything changes really, really quick. I like self-storage for the reasons that the problems that you have in self-storage are different than other asset classes and how we look at maintenance and how we handle it is we try to be 
proactive. And so we try to make sure that Connor, as much as he can, is proactive and he schedules out a lot of this to do. Now, with that said, in you know the maintenance of facilities, it's, it's, there's going to be a portion that's retroactive that we'll never be able to get away with. Of right? course. First time somebody drives through a building which happened to us, uh, or <laughs> yeah. landslide goes through one of our storage facilities. That also happened, you know, or, you know, side of buildings are getting crushed because of snow. That too happened. It's pretty constant. I'll touch on real quick here before I let Connor get started. When you're dealing with your finances, understanding how much money you need to put away in your facility is really important. I don't like to give strict guidelines to people on this podcast because, Things are very, very different. We had one month, we are in the north, um, and one month, three years ago, we had $100,000 in snow removal across our facilities. But we blew past it. Now, years like this year, we're under budget on our snow removal cost. But we have Connor manages this, and he, he has to be... He has to be on top of it, but we look at more than just on top of it. We kind of learn from our mistakes, and we're 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 trying to be preemptive, so to speak. A uh, perfect example is flooding and, and the, the crates that we use and sell that also turned into a revenue driver. So yeah, the pallets, the pallets. Yeah. 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 So we found a way that, which was a really bad thing at our facility and cost a lot of money and time and effort. We actually turned from that mistake. We turned that into a revenue generator and a way to protect our customers belongings. There's other things though, that like landslides that we talk about, we just, you know, you get a call one day saying, uh, there's a boulder the size of a car rolling through our buildings right now that you have no control of. You get the call. And at that point it's, you know, more crisis management stuff. So we'll go ahead on to that, but why don't you talk about what you're doing on the preventative side and how you map out projects and, and different costs, which a lot of this is coordinating. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, between employees and vendors. 100%. And a lot of it too comes down to availability of, of vendors. And especially now, you know, with the economy, you know, well, w- was doing really well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The uh, market's yeah. uh, tanked exactly. to the last uh, uh, <laughs> week. We're all going to die from coronavirus. That's but. it. That's it. We're just waiting. But a lot of it does just come down to coordination with everybody and everything. And, and again, like you say, AJ, just that task management and prioritization is huge. One of the biggest things for me has been the prioritization of the different projects that we have going on, whether that's, you know, asphalt resealing or expansions or some of these bigger projects that we have. And then also you, you've got to plan ahead, like AJ's talking about here, for uh, some of those other expenditures that come up that are ongoing maintenance. I mean, you're talking about HVAC systems. I mean, a lot of facilities yes. nowadays have climate, climate control. control. Yep. If you don't have it, then you're behind the times uh, in most areas anyway. Yes. So you do have a lot of these ongoing maintenance tasks and tasks tasks that you do have to schedule out. The resealing is a perfect example of, you know, keeping up to date and aware of where your facilities are at as far as the, the condition of the asphalt there and when they need to be scheduled to uh, be resealed. And two, because the cost associated with CapEx, it's a balancing act. So when you're dealing with all these units, let's say you're buying a facility that you need to turn around, but yet 
you only have so much capital. And so you're trying to decide what needs to be done versus what you want done. And then also the time frame in to do it. And resealing is a perfect example. Let's say we have five facilities that all need resealed. Well, we don't want to do that in one go, one year, because all that cost hits that year and tanks it. So it's a budgetary item as much as it is a needed item. So there, you know, cap capital expenditures to me is a constant balancing act that we're always playing between, you know, you, me, and Sam. And then we're, we're trying to come up with a plan and then asking you to execute it with the third parties. And this can get even more complicated when you're talking about capital expenditures through things like technology and coordinating different functionalities of the facility together, like you're doing a lot of. You have the building aspects along with the technology aspects, making sure all those things work in unison at the same time. It's a science and kind of an art, but you know, it, it's a lot of juggling. Oh, definitely. Definitely. It really is. Um, and technology is a great thing to bring up. I mean, we just had the Janice and Noki folks on the last episode of the podcast. If you guys haven't checked that one out, go check it out. Really good episode talking about the cutting edge technology coming into the self-storage space. And uh, that is a huge portion. I mean, we just, we've spent... They're not cheap. No. I mean... Was, how much a door? I would have to look. Yeah, but we I have mean, to look. And I know, I know it quotes differently, but for everybody, but I was thinking it was... 300 bucks a door that may be way over don't count me on that i i need to go back and check well <laughs> so, all said it's and done. Not cheap. yeah we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars you know for these expansion projects that we've got going on and that's just for the doors in that technology system yes. uh, that's not even counting the structures you know so these things are huge for sure uh, but it does just come down to that project management well, one and of two you're weighing a constant you know when you're looking at things like technology and even simple things that you may not be thinking about a perfect example a lot that you do when you have to make the office turn around the office make it look good um, you're trying to get an ROI I mean these capital expenditures are huge I mean, when we redo an office, it's, you know, we're putting 150000 into this thing. And you have to have a plan. Like, the, do we have a rate plan associated with the value that we're bringing to the customers? Uh, so it's not only, too, about making sure the facility looks good, but it's also how are we improving our value to those customers and how are we going to be able to increase our revenues associated with it and you know, should we be doing this or should we not? And is there a ceiling to how much we can charge? Do customers view this as a value? Is this something that they want? Do they want automatic doors? Are they going to pay for those things? You know, these are all questions you have to be asking yourself. And I'm not talking just building and I'm not talking retrofitting totally. I'm talking about just updating your facility and getting it updated with the times. Of course, you can go the other way and not update it at all. Definitely call so us. Call us, yes, please. <laughs> um, but it really is, you're kind of mixing in with an overall vision and plan of the company and trying to execute it properly on an ongoing basis. Exactly, exactly. This, it's, this is like extremely calculated. You know, yeah. this is not like, oh yeah, I think I'll like redo my asphalt this year or, you know, redo the roofs. Um, and that was another huge expenditure that happened this past year. Uh, we had to redo the roofing at one of our facilities again. I mean, you're talking hundreds of thousands. And if those things aren't calculated for that, like you said in the beginning here, man, I mean, you're talking to making it or breaking it. 
So that's huge. But to go in a little bit more in depth into that task management and project management, we utilize a uh, software called Basecamp. And uh, a lot of our managers will jump on there uh, at our facilities and post any maintenance items or issues they have going on at the facility. And this is not just for maintenance, we're talking administrative everything. So that keeps us, the upper management and the home office aware of what is going on at these facilities, gives us a task list from which it makes it very easy to prioritize from. Let's say you have some flooding damage or some flooding occurring and you've got a hole in the sheetrock, you know, like what are you going to pay attention to? But obviously you want to know all of that stuff that's going on there. Well, uh, and talk about the confirmation, because this is another, I think, important part that people d- overlook. You have a communication structure where you, we have with our managers that they need to be updating you via base camp. But two, it is just not only identifying problems. If you're not, which a lot of people that own storage, they don't live where the storage is. You're located in Boise, Idaho. We have storage across four states. And you have a manager that needs to identify the problem. You have them put pictures online, and then it's your task to figure out a solution to the problem and start working with vendors. So it's it's you need to work very closely with the manager because, two, you don't want to have to be going there every single time there's any problem. That just doesn't yep. make sense. Exactly. No, it's a great point for sure. Um, and those, those pictures are huge uh, as far as identifying exactly what is happening. Uh, leaks are a huge example of that where it's like, okay, well, where's the leak coming from? You know, if somebody just calls you and says, hey, we've got a leak here. Well, is it coming from the roof? Is it coming from under the door? Is it coming from the next unit yeah, over? Like, I ground, mean, yeah, yeah I where? mean, where is it coming from? So that, uh, that line of communication is huge and sharing of photos and having those systems in place to communicate with your people on the ground is, is absolutely essential. And that is definitely the other aspect of that is keeping record of what's going on. And that ties insurance ties in. Oh, insurance, everything. And, and scalability is another huge aspect to that too, where you need to have these systems in place that allow you to scale effectively and allow because you can't, obviously, if you have a ton of sticky notes on your desk or you have a notebook of, you know, you might be able to do that with one or two facilities of the things that need to be done maintenance-wise. But say you've got, you know, 12 facilities like we currently have, there's no way that you can remember everything, stay on top of everything, know which contractor or vendor you spoke with regarding which issue and this and that. So well, it and helps. then at the end of the year when you're still dealing with insurance and you're looking at the back of the year and you're saying, uh, you know, a perfect. So if we have let's 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 take a facility, for example, I can give you guys an idea why this communication, why this stuff's important. Let's say we have an insurance issue that happens because something in one of our offices breaks. We say, all right, this is in January or let's say February. Right. It's cold. Pipe breaks. We fix the pipe, we fix some stuff, but we decide at the same time, you're going to redo the office space and look at re- make it look really nice. Well, at the end of the year, then um, he's communicating at the time with the manager on site, and now he has plumbers, you've got people that are working on paints, and everything else, right? We're getting furniture, um, we have to verify projects are done correctly before we sign contracts, we have to communicate with the insurance company, and then at the end of the year, we have to have those records, so that way our CFO can look back, because now we're talking about things like, uh, do we have items that we can get accelerated depreciation on? So now it's also a tax thing that we're trying 
to um, bring into this. Where that revenue um, that was cost, uh, are we get? Did we get our money paid back on the right things for insurance and the stuff that the insurance didn't pay for? Are we getting that as a write-off? And, and you know, how does that work? Get an accountant. So if you're doing things like you said, sticky notes and just kind of more off the cuff, you have no you have no record. You're not tracing it. You're leaving money on the table. More than leaving money on the table, you're taking it out of your pocket and putting it on the table for somebody else. Right. Well, and then, too, you're spending how much time sitting there going back and forth, back and forth, trying to figure out what you've done and not done. Dude, I mean, we have these systems in place, and I still do that sometimes because maybe I didn't take a note or I didn't put yeah. this down or that down. And it's amazing, dude, how much time you can save by you know, doing this stuff effectively. But uh, the other aspect, too, of a management system like using Basecamp is uh, it, we're, we're not getting paid for this, by the way, for Basecamp, just so everybody knows. <laughs> we wish we were. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but anyways, it just uh, another perk of that is it just reminded me of, of communication with potential partners that you might have on a deal. Being able to go back and whether you need to print off something or say, hey, yeah, you know, this has been an ongoing issue. We've done this, 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 and this over the past, you know, week or month or year or whatever it is to, you know, remedy that issue. We're working on it, whatever it is. Yeah, you, know. you, you, build, you, you build your storage empire off policies and procedures. I just can't, you know, I can't stress that enough. It, it's, it's been a very key because, too, you know, Connor, you hit on this perfectly. It's the cornerstone of scaling. Another thing that we operate on is we have a look and feel to each of our facilities. So when you did the office up in the northern facility where you turned it around, we ripped down the office, it looks the exact same as our office, you know, 500 miles away. And what that does is it creates a streamlined pathway for you. You know what's expected. You know what needs to look like. You, you show all of the builders and all of the contractors that here's the standard, here's where we're trying to meet. When you have the systems in place, the systems and processes, you can you can do more, you can implement more, and you can build off of it. Without it, you're running around, you're, you're running oh, around dude. the chicken with your head cut off. It's unbelievable. You, you just couldn't do it. You'd burn right. out. Right. It'd well, be impossible. Just like a perfect example. So our office furniture here in our new office, right? We went from, it was like September to September of 2019, we started the whole furniture process, and we didn't get furniture in our office until January, mid-January of this year, uh, if I'm remembering that correctly. I mean, it took forever. And if you imagine doing that at every single facility that you have, say you're redoing an office, and every time you got to go in, you got to figure out what colors you're doing, what lights you're doing, what this, what that. I mean, you're talking huge amounts of time being wasted that you could be deploying elsewhere to continue to grow your your business or your portfolio or do anything else that you want to do whatever your goals are but yeah when you can just go to a contractor and give them a list and say this is exactly what we want here's a list here's photos make it like that done dude and well obviously it's it's not that easy but as we've seen yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but you know where you're going with exactly it. yeah it, it, it's way more streamlined um, you have expectations. You can budget that because now you know the cost of materials. So you know when you're underwriting a new deal, this is our look. This is our style. This is how it is. This is how much it's going to cost to turn it around. And we know the value that that brings and the revenue we can obtain from it. So when we say a scalable system, we're talking scalable both in operations and model to acquire, to turn around, to develop. It brings not only 
um, confidence to the banks and the people that we work with. They go, okay, you have this down and we trust your numbers and what you're doing. But it also brings confidence to the employees. They know that we, you know, we have our, on, on our other legs of operation, you know, when, when um, Sarah goes down and she's training a facility in another location, that facility is the same look and feel and has the same policy and procedure. So Connor's not doing two different things with two different managers. It's the same. They all have to do the same thing in the exact same way. They know that that's how, how it's done. That creates an ease on the employees that they understand I have, you know, I have to report this to Connor. Connor has to get us bids. Um, we find the bids, we find the quality, whether that's paint, whatever it is. From there, he knows that the CFO and me have to sign off on it, right? Once they get approval for that, it can get done. So the employees understand the process that has to go through. So everyone's expectations are aligned. You know, with all our employees across everywhere, if you don't have that, yeah, it becomes a mess really, really quick. And setting it up from day one the right way, you know, set it up right and build off from it. Because the very next one you do, you need to be implementing the exact same thing in exact same time. And two is, it is interesting. When you look at banks and pe people who they give funding, we have a lot of banks that say, you're the only operator in this region that we're funding. Um, the reason being is they look and they see the organization, the operations, they see the uh, processes, the system. So they know that when we hand them our performance, when we hand them that our numbers, this isn't made up. This isn't just us saying, oh, I'm sure we're going to get this rate. No, they, they see it in the operations and the execution that not only we can pull it off, but we do. So those numbers are valid. Right, right. It's not like this is our plan. It's like, this is what we're going to do. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, which is huge. And I, I love the aspect too of that, that you brought up the employee side, creating that confidence in the employees, which I think is something a lot of people, especially starting out, would totally oversee and, or overlook, I mean, and not take into account because of that employee structure is is massive, and you will not scale if you do not have policies, procedures, and systems in place to assist and to manage those employees, and also maintain confidence. You know, maintain their confidence in what you're doing, what you're doing, and what the plans are for X, Y, and Z. I mean, everybody, like you say, has got to be on the same page. One thing I did want to touch on was consolidation of contractors and vendors across. So, touching on scalability. When you're consolidating what vendors you're using, so say so you've got a pest control company that you're working with here in your local area, in your local town, and come to find out they actually service your surrounding states as well. You know, they're a regional company, and you have a facility in a surrounding state. Why go and use a different pest control company in that state when you could just utilize the same contractor or vendor that you're utilizing currently? Uh, it's It's a Great way to streamline things. It's a great way to continue to build on a reputation, potentially get better pricing as you continue to expand. Budgeting. Exactly. You know what they're going to charge. Yep. You know if they're going to give you chargebacks. Huge. You know with that if they say they're going to complete it, they're going to. You have the relationship. Yeah, you're, that's, a, that's an excellent one. And, you know, it's funny. We have like a blacklist of vendors we don't use, right? And uh, we, we don't want to repeat old mistakes, and with what works, we want to keep that. 
and we want to and, and and having those trusted relationships with our our third parties like uh you know whoever it is janice or you know our our, our, our builders forge um or you know those kind of people understanding you can have those communication that 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 pays off um i can't tell you how many people we've seen that a project is over budget by multiples because it's like, you know, it's over budget by 15, 60% or however much it may be simply because they weren't all on the same page and there wasn't, the communication wasn't right. And so there wasn't a confidence in what one party was thinking and the other party, you know, they, they were different, even though you, they thought starting out, it was very clear once the details all came out, they were very, very far apart, and that can be very expensive. Very expensive and, and extremely easy to happen. I mean, extremely. It, I mean, it takes one misinterpretation of somebody's, you know, email or phone call or any of that to completely derail something. Um, so that no, that totally makes sense. And then, kind of touching on that consolidation and uh, consolidating vendors across multiple facilities to kind of help you in that scalability and budgeting and everything else is. Um, is also when you're setting up those, say you're setting up an initial vendor uh, for your facilities, you found a good regional vendor for multiple facilities, or you found in hopefully a uh, few that could possibly service your facility for any given reason, whether that's HVAC or uh, your fire extinguishers service or, or whatever it is. The best thing that you could do is inform those individuals that you're seeking bids and quotes to provide the best value, not like the cheapest, but the best value for whatever service that you're looking for. Have those vendors compete against each other, get the best, best possible pricing or the best possible value that you can get and go from there. Instead of, um, again, using a lot of different vendors and having various different pricing for various different things, again, sometimes you will just have that because you can't some vendors aren't in certain states and areas and uh, countries if you're international, just the way it is. So that's another topic I wanted to bring up as well, kind of point out uh, on that consolidation aspect. It's interesting when working with your vendors and your third parties because it, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with real estate, as those of you who aren't in it or those of you that um, are in it, you understand this is a team effort. You're, you're working together on a project and with that you need to set things very clear the the arrangements the contracts um they could not be more important the understanding before you go into the cell before you get the um snow plow contract lined up that what are the expectations so halfway through when disaster hits you know and you either have to get out of the arrangement or you have you know um, that you are just very, very clear up front. Um, it needs to be spelled out in the contract, and you both need to be the smallest details. Yep, exactly. Everything needs to be gone 100%. over so that can be executed correctly. Yeah, and uh, a perfect example of that is, is we just recently had a learning experience with this with one of our expansion projects where we didn't have all the contractors on the same page about what exactly was happening, even though everybody knew what was happening, you know, the, the details yes. just weren't there. Yes. And a lot of that could fall on my shoulders for not ensuring that. And I'll take full responsibility for that. But to touch on that, one of our other facilities, we have a, uh, a re-roof project going on and we're installing solar and all that stuff. It's super exciting. It's really cool. And uh, 
in that contract with the re-roofing company or with the roofing company that's doing the re-roof project, it specifies, we made sure to specify in the contract that they are to be coordinating with the solar contractor. Something that, I mean, the solar contractor is not a subcontractor of the roofing company, anything else. They're not affiliated, but we made sure and ensured that in that contract, they are to be coordinating and working together with the solar company so they to can't ensure. they come in after the fact and exactly. say, hey, that's not my thing. Oh, yeah, I didn't know you're doing this or that or whatever. Then that way, everybody knows. Everybody knows everything's on the same page. And again, um, another great thing to do as far as all that stuff goes is do a pre-construction meeting on site with everybody possible that you could. Because then, again, you have that, and literally take notes, record video, record audio, do anything of the meeting to where you can go back and refer to it. You have everything documented to where you can say, hey, we went over all this. Or, hey, this is the way it's supposed to be here or there. Because, I mean, again, you would be, or maybe you would be, or maybe you wouldn't be surprised with how much miscommunication can can occur on some of these projects. Yeah, I I can't. Connor's hit on something that is so important. Documentation, guys. It's not about being paranoid or anything else like that. It's just absolutely critical. Um, you everything should be documented. Uh, you need to all make sure that when things get fuzzy, because they will. Oh, 100%. They will. We're all busy. Yep. That we can all go back and there's something in email. There's something in writing. You have the notes that say you stated that you were going to do this on this day. When you're dealing with all the things that everyone deals and you're working with a contractor that has, you know, 50 of you, he's got a million things. He's probably not going to remember what was said on site. Follow-up emails with notes. This is what's discussed. Does everybody agree upon this? You know in court that emails are held as basically contracts. If you respond and you agree to the terms, that's, you know, um, it's it's like being held to a contract. So that, that stuff is absolutely critical. Um, it's critical within the organization and outside. So not just working with uh, the contractors as already stated. That's why we use things like Basecamp. Once again, documentation, documentation. It allows you to build a better operation, identify problems, and solve them quicker. I like this I, the idea of feedback loops. Um, the, clo- the, the sooner that feedback loop is closed off, the loop's closed off and you can move on. Um, documentation helps you have smaller feedback loops where the information is gathered, executed, and it either worked or it didn't, and the problems either moves forward or it's solved or corrected, and you move on to the next one. Um, without documentation, feedback loops are very open because you can't go back and see what went wrong to correct it and to move on or solve the problem or even identify where it came from. So documentation is so critical, not just to get it right the first time, not just to identify roles, responsibilities, cost, and what was said, but also, once again, to create uh, an organization and to scale off of, because then you can look back at everything that you need to do better the next time and every time you do it, you get better and better and better. Uh, dude, that's exactly right. I mean, just that, again, we're, I mean, we're talking a little, a lot about uh, scalability and growing. And obviously, that's what we're all about. And, uh, and don't want to do the same dumb thing twice. We are in the, oh we're all going to do something stupid. We're all going to mess up, yeah. make mistakes. You just don't want to do it twice. Life is short enough, man, exactly. without having to do <laughs> the dumb thing you did over and over again. Um, 
but uh, no, it's it's extremely important that everybody's on the same page. And again, like AJ said, it's not it's not about being paranoid or trying to you know pull one over on somebody. Like you're gonna be like, oh hey, well you said you did. Like that has nothing to do with it. It has to do a lot with what AJ is talking about here with streamlining your operations moving forward and your scalability. And again, it's just in the best interest of everyone to know exactly what's going on because God knows that nobody wants to no matter how hard they might make themselves sound or any of that stuff, people going through any kind of litigation or court proceedings, any of that garbage, man, is is something that people just don't want to do. Again, Everybody loses except the lawyers. Exactly, exactly. Nobody wants to go through that, and the more that you can limit that exposure to any even potential possibilities of that happening, do do everything you possibly can. And, And this is important, too, when dealing with when you're purchasing an asset making sure the proper documentation, phase ones, things like this are done. You know, I can't stress this enough, but this is where in storage, this is where your problems are going to come from. Um, The surprises. I don't like surprises. You know, you do not want surprises and particularly dealing with CapEx because those aren't easily corrected and the cost associated with them is huge. Um, And storage seems simple enough, but, you know, we've seen examples of people that built storage facilities on top of sawdust piles from lumber mills and water was draining in the middle of the storage and it wasn't going anywhere. It just disappeared. Nobody knew where the water even went. And you're sitting here going, this, this facility is starting to crack, like get lower. And, you know, they, the seller doesn't want to provide the document doesn't want to look into it, but wants to sell it. These are things that, you know, you need to identify, you need to walk away from if you can, because these are the things that come back and are the big dollar ticket items that make it or break it. So documentation, understanding, having things very clear, this avoids problems. It gets everything up front at the table. And two, and lots of the times when you're dealing with contracts, I like to view them as this is what happens when things go wrong. So you need to understand when this all hits the fan, how's it, how's that work in the contract? So builder, when you walk off my site and stop building, what happens when you're three months late? Do I have a penalty in here to be charging you for being late? And what's the penalty based on, right? Is it based upon my revenue lost for not having that portion of my facility open right? Are you inhibiting customers? What happens when you're employee? You need to think these things through because it doesn't matter till it happens. And then when it happens, it's the only thing that matters. And so having these with your exit clauses, with your whoever it is, basic vendors. I mean, look at your technology vendors, look at your, you know, maintenance snowplow, who's doing your landscaping. Are you stuck in a contract that you can't get out of no matter what? You need to really analyze those those contracts and um, that communication to make sure everyone understands how the arrangement is going to work out and when it doesn't work out how everyone gets out of it. Yep. No, it's that's it in a nutshell, dude. That communication and the the clarity of that communication. That's that's what it's all about. Um, and it's something to touch on that a little bit. If you don't know, ask, dude. Like, don't be afraid to. Don't don't feel like you should know all this stuff about every single thing that could possibly be going on with the building process or with some maintenance task or whatever. If you don't know what something is, especially when we're talking contracts or any of that stuff, again, make sure you have that clarity. Ask the questions. Make sure that the contractor, that you're not, al- that you're not only clear with what 
is going on in the contract, but the contractor's clear with you about what exactly is happening, what those expectations are, everything else. Because, I mean, contracts can be lengthy. They can be hard to understand, different things like that for a lot of people. So just be sure to – and if you don't understand something, just – Talk to the experts. Yeah. Make sure you're getting Go, exactly. advice. Make sure you have attorneys that are looking over your your contracts that understand the business. Don't go with your friend Bob, who's an attorney, because he's your friend. Go find a real estate attorney that knows how these things work, how they look out to review contracts. Um, ask people in your area who they use. Get references for your vendors that saves a lot of lot of trouble and a lot of a lot of problems um, people are open and they'll talk about their experiences and uh, you know that's a great way to figure out uh, uh, who's using what snow plowing company how it's working if they've had problems um, pick up the phone do it do a yeah. little due diligence exactly so it's all about man well you have anything else to add no that was awesome yeah. thanks connor and um it's a a huge, important topic. We're going to hit on it more. But really, I think the, the crux of this, the takeaway documentation, policies, and procedures for maintenance are absolutely 100% critical. It's needed. It will happen. Make sure you're in control as much as you can be of it. Yep. And build those foundations early. Building a good foundation. Yep. So, wonderful. 100%. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. We'll catch you next time. Thanks. Thanks.